Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. Listening to the Oz TV podcast only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network. I can't believe I'm saying this, but we are bringing you Breaking Bad. This is season one, episode one, the pilot episode, which is its actual title um, of Breaking Bad. Um, really excited to bring this to you. First came out on the 20th of January 2008. Uh, directed, of course, by Vince Gilligan. Can't wait to get into this. My name is Nick, and fuck you and your eyebrows. <laughs> And uh, my name is Ben. And no, quote just like yep. This is unbelievable. Got to go into it, right? Got to, got to go full on, Hank, straight away. Why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, this is like one of those amazing pilot episodes of. TV show like I like I'm not a massive kind of like know what the greatest TV show is type person you know like there's there's the best TV shows that I've never seen I've never really I've watched a couple of episodes of The Wire I've never seen The Sopranos you know but like this is my favorite TV show of all time um, drama at least drama at least um, but you know like to actually be talking about like this loved show is um, really exciting and slightly daunting I've got to say. Yeah, it's it's it is interesting to kind of do a show like this because you're right. This is kind of up there as you know, often regarded as one of the greatest TV shows of all time. This is a show with a huge following. You know, it's not like when you and I did Nip Tuck, where it's kind of forgotten about, and we're kind of bringing it out of the woodwork. I mean, this is a show that everybody knows, whether you've watched it or not. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a daunting and, and fun experience. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I ranked this in my top ten. I think uh, from memory, this might have been number six on my list off the top of my head uh, of, of my all-time favourite shows. And I, I was very late to the party. I, I didn't watch this when it aired. I was one of these people who discovered it after it was on and, you know, got sick of people telling me to watch it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I from what I've watched it through a couple of times, I've absolutely loved it. And, uh, yeah, this has been a long, long-talked thing that you and I were going to do this, Nick. And yeah. uh, you would have thought we would have done it when I lived in your country, but apparently uh, <laughs> we never did that. So that's well, good things. Sense. Good things take time, and um, yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit the same. I didn't watch it when it first came out. I kind of like I had a mate who was really into it almost from day one. It'd be really interesting to talk to a day one fan of the show because I don't mm. really know many, but I'm probably the most common, which is like got on the hype train and caught up in time to watch the second half of the last season in real time, um, and so you know, like I, I'm. I got to see a little bit of it when it was actually being airing, but you know, for the most of it, I didn't really get to 
I was kind of binge watching it and like a lot of people I kind of I think like I'd heard a lot about it and a workmate kind of said oh you should watch this and he just basically ended up bringing the DVD into work and was like take this home and watch it and you know like lots of people watch it and then you can't stop really you know like and before you know it you're kind of up to all the hours of the night like just one more episode type of thing um I got a friend who recently just got into this like within the last year um and she's like oh yeah he was telling talking to me about it so like there's still people out there who are finding this and and still so amazed by it it is like you know 2008 so you know time time of recording this that makes it like 13 years old and you know like it still holds up really really well like it's it's a reasonably long time and in terms of, of of tv time really since this came out and it still holds up as strong as ever so i think that's what makes it really really cool is that it is still something that is is great to go back and rewatch. It it is yeah you're absolutely right. I remember I was working at uh, yeah the CD DVD store Sanity and you know I would every day people would be buying TV shows on DVD and they would you know tell me oh you should watch this it's great have you seen it and I this wasn't like I remember you know like Dexter True Blood these sort of shows that sort of came out straight away and people were into it. This was one that I remember people buying, but I think it was a couple of years until people really kind of started recommending it. And then for whatever reason, I think it just got to a point where. You know, I was kind of like, oh, I'm getting sick of people telling me that. But I, I think also part of me, I always felt weirded out by the fact that Brian Cranston was playing yeah. like this role. Because like I, I loved Malcolm in the Middle. I, I loved that show as a kid. And well, not even a kid, I was a teenager. And, you know, he was great. He was hilarious. And then when, you know, you sort of learn that he's playing this dark role, I was like, huh, what? Like, I, I don't understand how this can happen. And I think I was flicking channels one night and it was... You know, it was late to being on network TV in Australia, so it was randomly on at like one in the morning, and then I caught the end of it. I'm like, oh, this this looks good. I'll catch up one day. And then a really good friend of mine, he was doing the radio with me, and he he got into it and just like he caught on straight away. He was obsessed, and I think within like a month he'd watched it all, and he was declaring this his favorite show of all time. He's still you know absolutely obsessed with it. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give in. I'll watch it now. Um, and yeah, it's, it's it feels kind of cool when you join that little group of people. Like, yeah. oh, you got to watch this, you got to watch this. Having said that, I still haven't done the Game of Thrones thing, and still never will. <laughs> um, but I definitely did the Breaking Bad thing eventually. And yeah, you're right. Like people are still discovering it. Mallory has been watching this with me, and I don't know if she's fully sold yet. She's kind of like, oh, like you know, okay, it's it's interesting. But um, I I know some people who have tried and didn't get into it. So you know, there are a few people out there. Yeah, well, there's, I mean, nothing to universal success. You know, there will always be some people that don't like it. But it's interesting you kind of raise that kind of Game of Thrones thing, which is quite interesting because, like, just kind of placing this within, like, the history of TV, I suppose. Like, this is one of the kind of, like, the last dying breaths of, like, had to watch it when it was on every week TV, you know, like Mm -hmm. that and Game of Thrones. And probably, like, at the start, at least, like, The Walking Dead. And it's interesting, like, The Walking Dead and, and Breaking Bad, obviously, both AMC produced shows so like, amc had two of the most kind of you know must watch shows around about that 2008 2010 kind of era um and you know like i think like the finale of this and the finale of of, of um game of thrones were probably like the you know you must watch now type shows left like now everything's on netflix and you can watch it later or whatever you know like it just feels like the, the world of tv has kind of changed since this was on um and this was kind of one of the last hurrahs of, of this type of product i think that there ever was yeah it's a great point you make because you know we talked a little bit about that with with nip tuck didn't we that kind of that was a sort of a show in its time and that was kind of what put fx on the map um whereas this is 
the show. I mean, Mad Men, what, came out about a year before this and obviously yeah. did very well, but it was really Breaking Bad that kind of set AMC up there. But that is a great point you make about kind of one of the last breed of that must-watch TV because nowadays it's, it's I mean, Disney Plus is sort of doing it. I would argue The Mandalorian and WandaVision, uh, you know, of later kind of bringing that back um on a certain level but i think tv's changed so much now that you know kids these days nick don't know what it's like to wait a week in between episodes <laughs> you know they get a whole series in a day and then they're, yeah. you know, they're done so yeah. yeah and i mean there's just something about that we're of that era where you know that's just what we were used to and sure it's great getting a whole series in one day like i'm not saying that's not a a, a bad thing but like there was just something unique about watching a show week to week and having to yeah. wait and going to work or school the next day and talking about it and like, Oh, what's going to happen? Like it just yeah. made it just a little bit better if you ask me. Yeah. And, and I think one of the other things interesting for us really is that um, this kind of comes like around the time of like the podcast boom as well yep. of like people would watch a show and then they'd be like, you know, a podcast about it. And then the next year there'd be 10 podcasts about it. And now there's a hundred podcasts about it. And like, it's interesting that this kind of came out. Like I remember that kind of last season had podcasts about it everywhere, but the first few seasons, it was just a little too early for that. And like, that's why I think it makes it interesting for us to go back is that I'm not going to say we're the first, cause I'm, I, I do think I found another one, but I don't think there's many um, kind of freely available retrospectives of breaking bad where you can kind of, you know, like start at episode one, knowing what happens. And we're, we're kind of like a spoiler free podcast. We're not going to tell you what happens, but you know, we've got the knowledge of where this is going. Um, and there's not many of them out there because most of the podcasts kind of started to come like at least midway through the run of the show, if not towards the end of it. So, you know, like, I think this is, yeah, that's the other part of, like the changing dynamics of the TV world is that this is the time that podcasts start to become a big thing. So you're getting lots of discussion online, you know, in that podcast form about the TV show you watched last night. Yeah, and it's it's a great point you make with that too. And it's interesting that there hasn't really been a whole lot of, I guess, podcasts going over. Because, I mean, if you think there's going to be retrospective podcasts, there's going to be Breaking Bad ones. But, um, yeah, it is also a little bit different in terms of, again, Nip Tuck, you and I did, we're the only podcasts that have ever covered Nip Tuck from start to finish. Third Watch, we're the only ones who've done that too. Lost, a little bit different. Obviously, there's a quite a few Lost podcasts out there, and we're obviously starting 24 as well, which I'm not sure if there's been a 24 rewatch podcast, but maybe there is, maybe there isn't. So, but yeah, Breaking Bad, it's, 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 and it's also always fascinating to kind of think doing this, like you always think, okay, we're here for the long haul, lots of episodes, all this kind of stuff. But yeah, only like 60 odd episodes of Breaking Bad, which is, it's kind of like, I always like to compare it to like the faulty towers effect, right? Like it's kind yeah, of, yeah. You, you just kind of have enough, like they didn't go too many. And yeah, yeah. the difference is, is like when we started Nip Tuck, I could easily tell you there are some shit episodes to come. I could look ahead or oh, this season, you know, I've only watched Breaking Bad through maybe twice. I can think of one episode, which is a generally universally disliked episode. <laughs> but even then, it's not like I'm straight away going, oh, here's that episode. You know, yeah. I, I think I kind of look down on it more now because the person who directed it and what they went on to direct afterwards. But <laughs> um, <laughs> hello, Ryan Johnson. But <laughs> yeah, like outside of that, like there's, there's nothing that I automatically go like, oh, we're up to that episode. Like it's, it's kind of so consistent across all yeah. of the seasons. There's not one season to me that stands out as a shit season. Like it's yeah. that's what's so good about Breaking Bad too, that it's short enough, it's consistent enough. And then, yeah. and like, I know you haven't seen Better Call Saul, but I, I think it leads exactly into Better Call Saul, which I hope that maybe we can get to one day as well because its quality of Better Call Saul is almost up there to me now with Breaking Bad. So, 
Yeah, I, I think for me, um, this this runs about as long. And I think, you know, like you kind of look at them, the kind of interviews that Vince Gilligan's given. And I guess probably one of the things when we talk about why the show maybe didn't get buzzed straight away is that, yeah, the Malcolm in the Middle guy. And then you didn't really know anybody else who was on the show. And also a completely unknown showrunner and director and Vince Gilligan. Like, I know he'd done a little bit of X-Files, but that was about it. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things that he says is like, you couldn't actually keep the show going for too much longer. Like, it would just become a fast like it is telling the story of kind of like you know the breaking bad of it that this that, you know this good guy goes bad type of thing and that has to have a natural conclusion like you couldn't go on for you know you know 10 seasons because there just isn't really so many places you can take this before you're kind of repeating yourself so and i think one of the things we're probably going to talk about as we go along on the show is that these guys had a like a really like rough outline of where they were taking the show but they hadn't really written to an end point and you know like for me i think what's really interesting about this this kind of um, pilot episode is that you actually see some really interesting stuff that leads you places that these guys probably didn't actually intend on it um and i think that's really interesting as well i just don't think this is a show you could have you could have run for 10 seasons and you know to look at the contemporary of this in terms of amc which is a walking dead like they're into season 11 and i think universally i think most even fans of walking dead will say that probably that show should have ended two or three seasons ago you know so some things just are not meant to go on quite so long and i think this is kind of perfect in how long it runs it just it makes sense and then yeah you're right it opens up the the door to doing things like better call saul down the road so um it doesn't completely kill these characters off in terms of where you can take them and do prequels or you know kind of offshoots or whatever you might want to do but in terms of the run and the story they're telling through this particular season or the series i should say so um, I think it's almost the perfect length, really. Which it's it's so interesting to kind of think about everything with Vince Gilligan because you know you sort of mentioned that he was you know did a bit of work in the X Files. He created the Lone Gunman, which didn't really last. And I mean, I was a big X Files fan. I, I never really got into the Lone Gunman, but um, it's sort of yeah interesting now that you know Better Call Saul is at the point at least of us starting to record this. You know, it's it's got its final season ready to go and. It's, it's at that point now where people are, are basically saying it's the best show on TV. Um, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's, and I would say that right now, again, the last season of Better Call Saul was amazing. Like it's up there as with anything that Breaking Bad did. It was that good. Definitely a lot more of a slower burn than um, Breaking Bad, but uh, you know, it's got its place, but it's kind of, Vince Gilligan clearly can just work it in a way where it's kind of, you know, he doesn't need to go there. And I, I remember when El Camino came out, I was like, oh, do we really need this? Like, you know, what's going on? But you know, we're well away from El Camino, but like, I think that served its purpose well and didn't do anything yeah. bad, did it? So, um, no. it's, it's, it is one of these rare shows that, you know, you've got the perfect length. Uh, you know, there's very little wrong with it. Uh, I, I really don't know, Nick, how many bins we will get. Um, <laughs> will we get any? I don't know. Um, you know, well, I think, I think, I think I, um, I famously said at the end of the nip tuck run that I would not give this any bins and I don't stand by that. Like, um, you know, I think that there is the possibility of, a, of an occasional one somewhere along the run, but there'll be very few and far between. And, you know, I think that, you know, we famously had one season where you gave 
you know, a straight run of buys yeah. right through the whole season. Um, I think we'll probably be repeating that somewhere along the lines. And um, this first season one is obviously um, cheating a little bit because it's only seven episodes. But I think one of the things that's quite interesting to me as well is that one of the things a lot of people say about Breaking Bad is it's like, oh, it's one of those shows that just gets better and better and better. You know, like it, it doesn't have that kind of peak point and then drop off. It just gets better. And I think that that's mostly true. But I think one of the things that that kind of in, implies is that season one's the worst. And I'm not sure I'm prepared to say that. I think season one is really great. Um, and it just sets his characters up beautifully. So, like, I, th- I think, you know, it, there's so much here. You can almost kind of forget some of the cool stuff that happens in season one. And so I'm really looking forward to the opportunity of going back and looking at these early episodes and this first season. And, you know, like, and kind of with the knowledge, like I say, we're spoiler free. We're not going to be telling you stuff, but with the knowledge of where this is going is, is kind of evaluate what we think of season one, knowing the full picture. And I will say too, yeah, I, I was, when I was sold the show and I was started watching it, people would say like, it's a slow burn then like, you know, you've got it. And that's kind of what Mallory I think is feeling, but I was hooked from the very first episode. I, I don't yeah. remember ever thinking like, oh, this is slow. Is it going to pick up? Like I never once thought, I mean, when we get to next week's episode, like the ending of yeah, next week's yeah. episode, I'm like, fuck, this show's amazing. Like what's yeah, going yeah. on? Um, so well, yeah, I, I think never if, got I think the slowness. You, yeah. I think if you don't love this pilot, then this probably isn't the show for you. Like, because I think like we might as well start getting into it because like, I think everything you want in a pilot is really is in this episode, you know, like it's, that it kind of sets these characters up really, really well. It kind of gives you enough action to be interesting. Um, does the kind of, you know, does the kind of editing features that you're going to get used to with Breaking Bad of that kind of you know, flashback flash forward type stuff. You, you kind of get that straight away, you know, kind of everything's there and encapsulated in that first episode. So I reckon let's, let's get into it. Let's start talking about it. I'm with you because, I mean, the opening of this pilot has been voted uh, constantly as one of the greatest opening of any TV series ever. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I watch a lot of these Watch Mojo, you know, what culture sort of top tens, and they they often have the, the best opening scenes of TV shows ever, and this is usually in the top couple, if not number one. So yeah, And yeah. it all starts with pants, Nick. You, do your pants fly <laughs> in the wind like this? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like it's a pretty interesting first kind of image, isn't it, of like you know, a pair of pants just flying through the you know kind of like the desert and um you know one of the things i think we're probably going to talk a lot about in the show is is um you know the new mexico kind of um landscape as being almost this other character in and of itself because you can't really talk about the show without talking about where it's set and you know it's a beautiful location for the show like really rugged but also really cool so yeah obviously you kind of get these pants flying through the air immediately kind of been run over by this rv and this crazy guy in his underwear and a mask <laughs> kind of driving it through the desert and of course you've got no at the, at the time that you're watching it for the first time you've got kind of no context for what this is about and you've got these bodies like just like sliding around in the back of the rv you know it's this really cool opening scene and um you know it it is meant to just disorientate the viewer of like what the hell is actually going on here um and you know just kind of like sliding all over the place eventually crashes um and then you kind of get you know what kind of you know, comes to that stop and pulls out that video camera so i think we get that first bit of like you know the ages of the show slightly i guess is that you know these days it would probably be a phone but um you know i you know obviously it's it's that camcorder and he pulls it out and you know it's very clear that he's not making a confession um that he's kind of i guess um sending a message to his his wife and family right as kind of like what he's trying to achieve through that um you know and and then we kind of we, we carry on and he starts to hear the sirens and um, pulls out the gun. And that's kind of obviously the grabber that kind of takes us into the, 
into the opening credits um but yeah i think it's really cool there's like a few other kind of things and i will say one of the things i did was um i actually went through and watched this episode listening to the um the commentary on the dvd um by vince gilligan and the cast which um i'd be lying if i said it was incredibly informative um but it was quite interesting to kind of hear them and you know one of the things that um brian cranston talks about is that he um you know deliberately held a bit of weight for this or you know put on a bit of weight however you want to see it um for this opening episode that they wanted to show immediately that this was kind of this guy that had kind of gone to seed is the word that um that he uses but you know if that's gone to seed jesus i wish i'd gone to seed quite like that it's, it still doesn't look like that much weight to me if you ask me but um but yeah I, the idea that this is kind of like this middle-aged guy who's um you know like they immediately want to show who this character is and i think you know you get that straight away that this is who this guy is but yeah in terms of being a grabber i think like you if, if you want to grab people's attention within the first two or three minutes of a show job done well we obviously like to um in each of our seasons at the end of each season we'll kind of put together you know potential top five moments we put together a top five of the season and i'm just going to say right now nominating this potentially as a top five moment the <laughs> opening um there's one next week as well obviously um but uh yeah no i think kind of you know just putting it up there but yeah it, it does it grabs you everything and it's kind of interesting when you see like crash and he's out in his underwear like i'm thinking am i watching malcolm in the middle still because this is a bit like you know how like from malcolm in the middle but yeah like the conf- <laughs> the confession and like you know the gun holding up and yeah you said the bodies and everything like you're like holy crap and then obviously they kind of do the flashback but um i like what you said about like um albuquerque and new mexico and everything i, I remember i went to university um, I, I mean, I hope I remember went to university. I paid a lot of money for that degree. I hope I remember some stuff. But um, there was a there was a girl in one of my classes who I became friends with, and she was from the states, and kind of got talking to her, and it's like, oh, um, you know, I'm I'm from Albuquerque. Do you know where that is? And I'm like, oh yeah, it's in New Mexico. And she's like, oh wow. Let me guess, you watch Breaking Bad? And I'm like. At the time, I didn't. And I'm like, no, I just know America. And plus, that's also where Bugs Bunny should have always turned left. Um, so that's what I always remember from Albuquerque. But, I, lo- I mean, the story is well known about why they filmed it here. You know, they, they couldn't get the what tax credits from California. Yeah. They wanted to film it, so they went to Albuquerque instead, which, I mean, it paid off in droves. Like, I mean, come on. Like, it, it worked so well for them, basically, to, to do it. And the, and the other thing, too, I like about this pilot, I will say, is that Obviously, it's also well known that they tried to ship this off to like HBO and other networks because this is the only episode you ever get to see nudity. And I'm pretty (laughs) sure there's more like because the F-bombs I know kind of come and go, but it's not that frequent. So like this first episode is almost a bit jarring that you get a lot of F-bombs, you get to see boobs. Um, whereas from moving and like a sex scene at the end, like, whereas you really don't get that at all moving forward. So clearly then shipping it off to HBO didn't quite work, but AMC were very happy that HBO never picked this up. Yeah. 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 I would say that that's a a pretty, pretty good, um, good summation of things really. But, um, yeah, I, I think it is just one of those amazing kind of opening scenes. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to try and make too many callbacks to Nip Tuck because people who are joining us just for Breaking Bad won't understand what the hell I'm talking about. (laughs) But obviously in Nip Tuck, one of the things we talked about there was, um, Miami being, you know, like a, a major part of, um, of, of what the show was. And this is the same thing here is that we've got another show where, the location is really really important um so yeah i mean i guess that probably is enough on that scene but kind of goes into this 
very very short i guess um opening credits it's not really a massive feature of the show but it's also you know like it's a very um iconic i guess um scene of you know kind of all the the chemical elements coming and going um and um i, I always forget what the two are actually are what the br and the and the ba is, is barium i think um, i'm terrible at science like like just to let you know <laughs> bro, bromine bromine is the br and of i think ba, BA is, is barium barium i think um yeah is is kind of the two i did look it up before i came on but i've already forgotten that's how good my memory is um so yeah i'm sure that that's probably something that we you know we could go through and if we were real nerds we'd know you know in the opening credits when you know because every name in the credits comes up with you know like a chemical element within it which i think is quite a cool thing but you know the the for me i think the the opening credits are cool i don't think they're um they're hugely something we need to talk over they're pretty straightforward but if there's it's, anything you wanted to jump in with no, we can do i mean that. you know it's sort of it's interesting you know talking about now how tv is different i mean this was kind of that period where long were gone were the sort of the opening credits you know like this wasn't a thing you were getting in the late 2000s they were they tv makers realized that if we make a 10 second opening we can add an extra 20 seconds to an episode right yeah, um, yeah so yeah but, I mean, you know, it's, it's iconic enough, you know it. I um, got the soundtrack to this and, like, there is a longer version of the theme on the soundtrack, which is actually, it's quite, like, the full-length thing's pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, I know shit all about fucking science. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, and I think music is quite an interesting part of the show because I think, um, you know, it was something that I guess probably was a cost thing, but mm. um, you don't get lots of you know, kind of really famous songs. It's kind of like, they, yeah. they, um, and you know, like I've just been watching The Boys, which is a really cool show, but it's full of like very famous music, whether it's, you know, Rolling Stones or Billy Joel or whatever. Um, but this is like the music used, it always feels appropriate, but it's never um, something that you're going to be like, oh, I know that song, which but is But you get is quite to know cool. them, don't you? Because you like, yeah, I, yeah, dude, I yeah. mean, without, again, without spoiling anything, the, the song used in the very end of this series, like, Every time I hear that, yeah, Breaking yeah, Bad. Yeah. And then one of my favorite scenes is I can't remember what season it is. It's when um, they get the two cars and they play that dubstep song and they've got like that really weird editing, like zooming in on Walt's <laughs> yeah, yeah. face and Walt Jr.'s face. Yeah. Um, like I, I used to play that song all the time as well. Yeah, but um, yeah. yeah, I like the sound. That's what the soundtracks are great for because you listen to these songs and they're kind of quirky, they're kind of odd. They're not songs you would ever listen to, but they just they suit the show. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we kind of we carry on and we we get like the three weeks later, uh, three weeks earlier, sorry, card, which you know kind of takes us back in time a little bit. Um, you know, Walt Walt wakes up and um, starts the kind of coughing thing, and you know, this is our first indication that he's not particularly well. Um, I think there's like a little. Um, a, a kind of cut to um, a Nobel Prize that he's a contributor to, which I think is quite interesting that that kind of never really gets alluded to all that much. I mean, we know he's obviously like incredibly um, talented and smart, but I don't ever think we ever hear about the Nobel Prize again, which I think is quite an interesting kind of backstory. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Like, well, isn't um, that something to do with the rich couple? Like, isn't that something to do with the research yeah, yeah, with them yeah, or something? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's kind of like one of those things that you kind of just never really hear about again. I think, um, and yeah, we kind of get these, the you know, these kind of scenes which are kind of like, I guess, showing that he's this kind of like middle-aged guy living a middle-aged life, and <laughs> you know, we get the the famous kind of, um, which is you know, 
a, a, a kind of visual that gets alluded to and brought back later on of the you know the 50 made out of bits of bacon which turned out to be veggie bacon. Oh, it was our and, first breakfast um, scene Nick we know everything yeah, about the show is just all the ba- all the breakfast right we should yeah, be counting right. how many breakfast scenes we have in this entire yeah well show. it won't be the, it won't be the last <laughs> thing in this episode that I'm saying we need to start counting I'll, uh, I'll come back to that a little bit later on but um, you know obviously it's kind of like we're introducing all three of these characters and, and who they are and one of the things that kind of amazes me about the show and um, you know not just these characters but kind of everybody on the show it feels like they're completely lived in it feels like they've been you know like we're just stepping into these people who have been here forever which is amazing i think you know like you just feel like they've just inhabited these characters for for decades um and it's just such a, a mark on these actors like there's you know there's barely a bad actor on the show and and all of the main actors are just phenomenal i reckon they just they all kind of just knock it out of the park they all just feel like they completely understand the character they're supposed to be playing and and just do such a good job like just their their you know their banter and everything it just feels so natural it just kind of bounces off each other really really well yeah, no, I completely agree. And, you know, obviously we talked a lot about, you know, great actors in Nip Tuck and we often would deride the fact that none of them ever got any acting recognition. But, I mean, this is obviously the complete opposite. I think everyone in this show got, you know, I mean, how many Emmys and Golden Globes did Brian Cranston win? Obviously Aaron Paul. And, and again, like, I'm just saying this right now and people can tune out of this podcast right now if they want to. I never get the hate for Skylar. I'm never annoyed by Skylar. Am I the only... Are you going to sit here and say that you hate Skylar too? She gets so much hate. I never get annoyed by Skylar. Well, it's funny, like at the time of kind of watching this, I've kind of um, burnt through the first season and a couple of episodes into the second season. And um, I remember the first time I watched this, I didn't like the Skylar character up through those first kind of couple of seasons. And then you kind of grow to like her. But the second time around, I'm not really understanding where that's coming from. I mean, I think sometimes she's she's a little bit of a foil for Walt as he kind of gets into this character a little bit more. And that's what drives people nuts. But Anna Gunn's phenomenal. Like, yeah. talk about somebody who, who just feels like they should have gone on to to bigger and better things and just hasn't for whatever reason um you know like she is just a a really really good actor and just like just just feels like just such a perfect bit of casting for this character yeah and i i mean everyone read the stories and all that kind of stuff about the hate and everything that she got like you know quite quite a fair bit of it but um yeah like i mean We'll talk about it as we move along. Like, I think kind of every sort of one of her bits that people are like, oh, she's complaining, she's naggy. Like, she's kind of got reasons for doing it. Like, I mean, if your husband just all of a sudden started going out all night, not coming back and saying he's smoking weed out of nowhere, like, I kind of think you're going to be questioning that. Like, she's got some reasons to. But, yeah, no, she's great. And, uh, I mean, I don't. I'm looking through her credits. I, I don't think I'd saw her in, seen her in anything before. And I mean, apparently she was in an episode of ER. I'm sure I probably saw her in that, but I, I don't remember her. Um, mm. And yeah, as you said, like afterwards, I mean, she hasn't really gone on to do much since. Um, yeah, I think we but- I think we're going to have another another case here of like these amazing actors who really haven't gone on to do too too much. I mean, Brian Cranston's probably the the one that has got an Oscar even, nomination and, after. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like some of the stuff that, um, you know, you kind of like, like off on a bit of a sidetrack here, but like the whole Godzilla movie thing, you know, like you thought he was going to like a major character of that and he's not. Um, <laughs> Download our yeah. recap on the Oz Network. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it, and and to me, I think there's a new show that he's in, which I've really been meaning to watch at least a couple of episodes at some point so that I can kind of talk about that as part of, a part of this retrospective. So I will try and get to that because I've heard great things and heard it's a similar-ish Is that your honour? Is that the, the one your honour that he's in? 
Um, if it's just come out, then yes. Um, I believe that's his newest one that he's in, yeah. Right, right. He just right, got yeah. uh, nominated for a Golden Globe, at least at the time right, of recording. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and and But, you know, like I think even Aaron Paul's not really gone on to, you know, like the need Fast and Furious movie. Or, or need for Speed, sorry, <laughs> not Fast and Furious. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, there, there hasn't been a huge amount that he's gone on to. But, yeah, I think that these actors just, they all feel like they belong here. They just, they really, really work well. The- so... I will say just quickly that the differences I would say between these and, and a nip tuck or third watch ones where we talk about this all the time, they haven't gone like Brian Cranston's always going to be Walter White. Aaron Paul is always going to be Jesse Pinkman. You know, Anna Gunn's always going to be Skylight. Like, there's nothing taking away. These are such iconic characters. It's like the cast of friends. Like it doesn't matter what Jennifer Anderson does. She's always going to be Rachel. Like it's just, it, yeah. that's it. And I think that's like the difference. Um, and whether that's a good or a bad thing, I mean, like, look at Giancarlo Esposito, you know, he, he's now obviously in The Mandalorian and fucking fantastic in The Mandalorian because the guy's fantastic in everything. But, I mean, to me, you know, he's going to always be Gustav Fring, even though he's been in 101 other things. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's I think that's the key difference. Like, no one's watching FBI Most Wanted with Julian McMahon going, oh, there's Christian Troy and Dylan yeah. Walsh's 100 appearances in Blue Bloods and Lois and Clark, whatever <laughs> that new show is. Like, get a cameo of Dylan Walsh, by the way, right now. It's only about 80 bucks. We could probably get him on the show that way. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, like these guys are always forever going to be their Breaking Bad characters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so like, we're obviously introduced to um to Skylar and, and um Walter Jr. of course as well, and I'm sure we'll have more to say about them as we go along. But um I'm quite keen to get into the scene at the school where Walt we obviously introduced him being a chemistry teacher. Um and I think we get this really big theme up front where he's kind of talking, which is, you know, deliberate obviously, but talking about um, you know, chemistry is a study of change and obviously this is what this whole show is going to be it's going to be about change and um obviously the 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 kind of quote that's been used about walter white over the years which kind of doesn't make sense if you don't know who mr chips is but the kind of mr chips turns into scarface is the one i've heard a lot mr chips being like a sitcom character or something like i need to find the background out about that but um basically it's you know the, the evolution of this character into somebody else and breaking bad is about change it's about these people changing and becoming different people and, and what change costs you um or can cost you in certain situations and you kind of just get it all right here and you also get you know walter also talking very lovingly about chemistry you know like that's going to be one of the things that is most important to him in in this because it's the thing he is good at and that's another thing a big theme about walter's that and i think that's the thing that makes him so relatable is that there's probably a lot of people and me being one of them is that often you feel like you're kind of okay at a lot of things but you're not great at anything and walter white feels like that guy who's like he's great at chemistry that's what he is good at um and he's never really been allowed to excel for various reasons at the thing he is really really good at um so i just i love this kind of classroom scene i think it just encapsulates so much about who this walter white character is as we come in this kind of guy who just lovingly talks about chemistry but is kind of like also ignored by a lot of the people that that you know he 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 wants the adulation of people for his knowledge of chemistry and he's not certainly not getting it in a classroom and if i'm not mistaken this is the episode that brian cranston won the emmy for i think kind of he won the emmy in the first year of this and and like he's just so good like in this opening scene just you know you've summed it up so well about the fact that you know he's this middle-aged guy in a middle-aged life you know he's waking up doing that little weird you know, stand-up exercise machine and he's, <laughs> he's going through the motions and then, you know, goes to class. And you just – he's kind of 
like he's that teacher that you kind of want to have, but you also kind of feel sorry for because he's, he's there and he's like, you know, it's fascinating. Like he's talking about and the way he's talking to these kids. And then he has this moment with his like douche guy, like making out with his <laughs> girlfriend and just little things like that. And like, what is so amazing about this show is that this is a pilot and straight away we feel for this guy like oh what you know poor guy like you know needs and just remember this right now to the finale of this show in like 60 odd episodes time because there's not going to be anything remotely like this you know it's the complete opposite so and it's just brian cranston just i mean if i had any doubts that this is going to be how from malcolm in the middle i mean here he is in the first episode just just destroying any, you know, impressions of what you have of this guy because he's just such an incredible actor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this, this, I, I'm with you. I, and I like, I like the opening moment. It's like, what is chemistry the study of? I'm totally that guy in the front row. Chemicals. No. <laughs> That's me. I think that guy's name's Ben too, isn't it? Doesn't he say like Ben? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> Oh well, that, that's your cameo for yeah, based for on me one. that character. Thanks, Vince. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, kind of the next scene we go to is um, is Walt at the car wash, which is you know like we're getting this really interesting stuff about who this guy is, and um, you know that he's just this incredible guy when it comes to chemistry but he's a he's a teacher and he's having to do the second job to make ends meet and we're really building up this kind of sympathy for this character and and you know this kind of kind of culminates with him washing the car of one of the students that he's just had in his class you know which is really kind of it's really sad and pathetic and all that kind of stuff and so we're really getting all that stuff straight away i think is really really cool um you know so and and obviously the the fuck you and your eyebrows guy which we'll get to later on but uh yeah i mean just like walt's place in the world has been made really really clear in these kind of you know we're only 10 minutes into the show right and we're already getting like everything you need to know about who walter white is kind of straight away yeah absolutely and like one thing i actually i think i watched the um the, the everything wrong with youtube channel did a one on this episode and i actually never pointed picked it up until they pointed it out that he so he finishes school goes to work at a car wash and then he's always obviously made to stay back late by fuck your eyebrows guy and skylar at one point is like you know oh you know he, you're there to work till five only work till five he finishes school at what like three three thirty four staff meetings things like that <laughs> yeah yeah does he go to work for like an hour like, <laughs> yeah. kind of doesn't make sense but um i also like Maybe the like- fact that the car wash will play a, a key part in this series at one point it's yes, what they eventually yeah, do with it. that yeah yeah it is really good and i guess that kind of talks to you know like the whole idea of did they plan this out or did they kind of find ways to kind of knit it all back together and i think it's probably a little from column a a little from column b you know um but then obviously we kind of get the thing of you know he he goes home and there's a surprise birthday party for him and this is where we're going to meet hank and marie as well who are other key characters of this show um which which is really good um and you know I, i love the kind of like you know when you talk about why people hate Skylar, I think one of the lines that people kind of might get to is like, come through the door and she's like, you're late or whatever she says to him, like you were supposed to be home at a certain time. And you know, it's kind of said in a nagging way. And I think probably the thing that people don't like about Skylar is this kind of nagging sense that you get from her um, until she's kind of fully in on the plan. Right. Um, so yeah. And then we kind of get to meet, <laughs> meet Hank and his full douchiness. Like <laughs> they do such a good job. And you know, there's these first episodes in this first season really of setting, um, Hank up to be this kind of dickhead that 
you kind of don't like very much and you kind of like you have the kind of opposite things i guess of of hank and walt as a show goes on like you're meant to like hank more and more as kind of the hero as it goes on and you kind of don't at the start and well vice versa you're supposed to really like walt and feel sorry for him and 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 like him less and less as time goes on um but yeah i mean hank is just such a such a wanker in this <laughs> like you know like the whole thing of like he's on tv doing a meth bust and um you know like it, he is just such a i i fucking love hank he might be like just <laughs> i mean we talked we was obviously in an episode of nip tuck and we got excited when he's on but dean norris like he's just he's one of those guys who like you've seen him in a hundred and one other things he's <laughs> generally playing the same type of guy he's a cop he's in the military like he's he's some sort of thing i remember when i watched that dumb under the dome show oh I yeah think, that was awful yeah yeah, yeah. God, fuck they were five five seasons in they're still under the fucking dome like yeah. come on but like i think that was what i first like saw him in a major role and everyone was like oh it's Tank from uh, Breaking Bad, but I just love this whole opening scene. Yeah, like when he's on, like, oh, five o'clock, turn on TV, and then <laughs> like when when bloody Walt's asking him about it, and you know, and just that line when Hank's like, "It's easy money until we catch you." Like he's just kind of like, you're like, when we get Soul into this show, like Soul's like the cheesy guy who's doing the crappy ads. Like I can totally see Hank being one of those cheesy yeah. like ad guys. Just the way he's just you know like ching, like he's kind of like Lightning McQueen. Like he's just he's- a cheesy guy with the lights popping up oh he's so good he's absolutely necessary for the show like he gives you that kind of you know especially in these first few seasons he like is just that kind of um comedic levity of the show and um like he's just he's just this lovable asshole like the other thing too is like you get like um gomi is there you know um, (laughs) i love him too yeah and i love gomi he's like one of my underrated characters of the show but like yeah hank is just like a complete racist to him like oh god like like he would he would he would get get so cancelled in in 2021 um for the way he carries on to gomi but you know it's just kind of part of his character and um and yeah i mean he's just like a lovable wanker is basically the way i kind of kind of put it you know lovable wanker that's something to put on your business card <laughs> lovable wanker but even a little thing when he's doing that what does he do that thing when he like turns his fingers up oh, like he does, yeah, oh yeah 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 and then sit it and spin or something yeah yeah and what does he say at one point and like um then like skylar's like not in front of like walt jr or whatever and like did she miss the part where he handed him a gun like walt's going like oh maybe you shouldn't have that gun <laughs> he's just like i don't care take the gun and but also do you notice it was loaded before he took the bullets out so he's walked into that house with a loaded fucking weapon Weapon. um it's like he took the bullets out before he gave it to walt jr but that was loaded the whole time yeah and i mean i guess that like obviously the thing we kind of like are not saying explicitly is that he's a dea agent and that's yeah. obviously a, a really important part of the show um you know but being a dea agent is such an, an a critical part of his personality and his character on the show for um you know functional reasons for for plot reasons but also it, it is who how he defines himself as being a DEA agent. That's the most important thing to him, you know, probably more important than being a husband or anything like that is that he is, you know, this law enforcement guy that really matters to him. Yeah. My, um, my standout, um, forgotten performance for Dean Norris's Starship Troopers. He's got uh, like four four lines, but yes. yeah, like he turns up there and it's like, yep, there's Dean Norris once again. Doesn't um, age. Like I feel like he looks exactly no. the same. And this is it's what a like bald guy thing, a isn't it? Decade. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Nick Tuck. <laughs> he was 
what was that recently? And I think it was in the Big Bang Theory for like the last season or something like that. So yeah, yeah. exactly the same. That's just Dean Norris. <laughs> and we uh, we carry on with like post um, birthday party and um, Skyler selling their goods on um, on eBay. <laughs> like we're really kind of getting this whole thing about you know that they're not doing well financially and having to make make money wherever they can. So they're kind of selling stuff on eBay. And you know we kind of get this pretty lifeless hand job that she's given him because you know we're only just doing you tonight because it's your birthday type thing, and she's getting. <laughs> more and more excited as the bids go up and um but yeah there's like it's quite interesting one of the things i picked up from um listening to the commentary is that vince gilligan was saying that this scene got cut after the first couple of airings like oh you know you're talking about that whole thing about they shipped it around to hbo that this was considered too racy for you know which is really funny like i don't think it's there's anything about it really that is even at the time i didn't think it was particularly you know like anything She's about it that massaging makes his stomach like you interpret this however <laughs> you want to uh, you know? yeah 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 it's really interesting like the kind of um i guess the kind of physical relationship between these two is, is quite an interesting part of the show as it goes on and i think it's a really big part of season one you know like kind of you know walt lets out his frustrations with this kind of like angry sex i guess on more than one occasion during this first season which the one thing too which i i forgot is that there's a, quite an age gap between these two isn't there like he's obviously turned 50 but does she not mention that she's only like 38 or 30 yeah something I, I think that's about right i think one of the things that's kind of never really kind of explained on the show is like how these two kind of met you know because mm. obviously we get a little bit of backstory about walt in a couple of episodes time and you know future uh, sorry um, past relationships that he's had and um it's always one of those kind of unspoken things about the show that I kind of wish we knew a little bit more about is like, how did these two meet? You know, that age difference is quite interesting. I think that there is some stuff there about how they met, eh? but it's not really delved into in a lot of detail. Yeah, no, I, I can't remember. Like, but yeah. And I, I, I don't know if that's a, you know, they put that in cause uh, I'm not sure of the age gap between Brian Cranston and Anna Gunn. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't really remember too much around that, but um. It's funny, actually, you mentioned Godzilla randomly. Um, I, I will say on a tangent slightly, when I watched the pilot episode to write notes, I actually watched it the same night I watched Godzilla to take notes. And when you watch them back to back, you realize that in both of them, it's Brian Cranston's character's birthday in both of them. So, <laughs> so obviously, maybe it's a stipulation on his contract is that he has to have a birthday maybe, on the show. Maybe. Yeah. So um, 18 minutes, 30 seconds is when we find out that Walt's got cancer. Like that is how tight this this opening scene, this opening episode is. Um, so Because obviously the next set of scenes is him at the car wash collapsing, getting taken to hospital in the ambulance, in the CT scanner, sitting in front of the doctor, um, having that really weird reaction to you've got mustard on your tie or whatever it is. Um, you know, mustard on the lapel, sorry. Um, you know, and it just like astounds me that we are 18 and a half minutes into the show and we've we've pretty much got the building blocks of what 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 motivates walt to to do what he does you know like that to me that's like such efficient storytelling and like i again i wasn't around well i mean i was around but like i didn't sort of you know catch on to the show when it first came out and how it was sold you know and again as you said like it'd be interesting to talk to a day one viewer but when people would explain it to you when you hadn't heard of it it was like oh it's a chemistry teacher he's got cancer and he starts selling meth um it's like okay so but you kind of are ticking those boxes like in the first 18 minutes he's a chemistry teacher he's shown a bit of interest in going on a ride along because he's like wow that's a lot of money like you know what is that is that common and then straight away boom it's into cancer so yeah it's kind of it's it's boom bada bim you're in you've got everything there but 
again, just like, you can't speak highly enough of Brian Cranston. Like, I mean, here he is, you know, sitting in front of a guy being told he's got inoperable cancer and he just somehow managed to make this scene almost funny the way he's like talking about like just this mustard spot on his <laughs> on his coat. Um, just everything about it is perfect. But yeah, as you said, like 18 minutes in, boom, you've got it all set up essentially from, from this point on. But one, one nitpick, can you get like diagnosed cancer and, and CT scan in the space of like an hour or two and still make it home to, to the wife for, for dinner? Yeah, probably not. That feels like it's, uh, yeah, it's been done fairly quickly, right? Um, probably slightly unrealistic, I would imagine. Yeah, but again, eighteen minutes in, you've got to you got to get into it. We don't want to be waiting eight weeks to get the biopsy results, you know. Like. Yeah, it would have been quite interesting to kind of like maybe explore what that looks like. If like he collapses, they give him an initial like this doesn't look good. Um, we'll give you some results soon, and then he kind of goes off for like the next few episodes, thinking he has cancer, and yeah, because that kind of plays a part later on in the show. Um, yeah, so it is something that they explore in, in a little bit of detail, kind of later on in the show too. Quick question for you: You watch the commentary. Is it explained at all? Is there a meaning or an interpretation of him staring at this woman in the green dress when he collapses? Like, is this meant to symbolise something or? Um. I do. I uh, I can't remember. I do think they kind of talked about that, and I think Vince Gilligan just said like, "Nah, not really." Like that. Probably they just lingered on that shot probably a little bit longer than they intended to, and that made people think there was something more there than there actually was. Mm. And I, I think I read a trivia that that girl in that dress is only about like sixteen or something like that. Oh, so, really? Yeah, but um, you know, you don't need to know that, do you? I, I I don't know why that was a random trivia point that I read, but there you go. So. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it, it is interesting, like the kind of little bits of, of trivia that you kind of that people get, like you know, um, RJ RJ Mitt, Mitt, Mitty doesn't use crutches in real life was like an interesting. Bit. It's like okay, great, like uh, but he really does have cerebral palsy though, doesn't he? Like yes, they, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, but he doesn't actually use use the crutches, which yeah, like. It's funny what what and when you sit and like listen to a commentary, what they think will interest you and what actually is interesting. But anyway, that's a whole that's a whole other topic, really. Um, yes, yeah, so obviously we get um, Walt come home, and and you know a big part of these first few episodes is going to be Walt's internal struggle about what he tells his family about what he's been diagnosed with, and um, and obviously he decides that in these early scenes that he's he's not going to tell Skylar about what's going on, and um, kind of comes home. And, has a beer and just says you know everything's fine type of thing um but you know like one of the things about this character is that there will always be a reaction but it might not be quite the reaction you're expecting and and we get the reaction and the, the next scene to come which is when he goes into the car wash and quits and does the fuck you and your eyebrows <laughs> thing um so you know this is a character who's got a lot of pent-up frustration and it doesn't really you know one of the, the one of the key points about the walter white character is that he exhibits his anger and odd ways you know like or mm. at the wrong time or he he keeps things pent up and then it explodes and um and that's what may or doesn't even explode sometimes you know there's things that he just does which are kind of a reaction to something bad happening to him and um this is kind of the first real example of this i suppose and i think what's you know you, you talked earlier about how you kind of feel like you dropped into these people's lives it's a living world and i think kind of what also sells this show is is that level of realism and i think kind of just this moment he's told he's got cancer. I mean, if, if 
if anybody listening to this has, has experienced what that's like either from themselves or having a family member or a friend and you get told that news, like you, you automatically assume if that's going to happen one day, you're going to react, you're going to cry, you're going to be upset. Like, you know, there's going to be that, you know, but like everyone reacts differently to hearing that yeah. news. And it's, it, it is a, it is a, it is an odd thing when you hear that news and, and you realize how you react to that. Like, it's not kind of like mm. what you stereotypically see in the movies and TVs. Like this is, I think this is a classic interpretation and a classic representation of what happens. You take it in certain ways. And he takes it this yeah. way by commenting on the mustard, going home, having a beer, as you said, and kind of, you know, he's got that scene when he's sitting at the pool and he's flicking the matches in the pool. Like yeah. it's just, yeah internalizing it trying to compute it and that one moment when he's like fuck you and your eyebrows and like mm. storms out you know which we all wish we have done in jobs of course in the past but um yeah yeah, yeah like and again brian cranston just so uh, can, can i just point about one thing that i found fascinating that this the role of walter white like the people they shipped it off to one of the people they really wanted for this was matthew broderick now i love matthew broderick love him he's one of my favorite actors but i can't imagine matthew broderick playing Walter White. Having said that, I couldn't imagine Brian Cranston doing it before I saw this, but I kind of believe this clearly. Could Matthew Broderick have pulled off Walter White? Uh, Matthew Broderick's really good at what Matthew Broderick's good at. Like, yeah. But I wouldn't, range is not something I would probably put on his resume. Um, and I think this is kind of, this character needs a lot of range you know Absolutely. you need to be able to do like different things um and so yeah no, i don't think that would have worked for me although um I, I don't know if you've seen it's like this oh, i'm trying to remember what the name of it is now this netflix kind of like post-apocalyptic show that was you know came on netflix a couple of years ago and matthew broderick was like the bad guy in that and that was quite like an interesting thing but it was still him being him you know like it was still the, the same typical Matthew Broderick so like I, yeah I, I totally like it's just hard to imagine anybody else like yeah. it's those whole things of like you know all the people that were on the list to be Indiana Jones or whatever like you just you can't imagine that being anyone but Harrison Ford anymore you know like it's just that these people come in and, and that's who you see so it's really really hard to imagine anybody else being in that role and who knows Matthew Broderick could have been amazing he could have you know had this career yeah, renaissance yeah. like like um you know Brian Cranston did who knows yeah, um, yeah exactly but yeah. like you're right like Matthew Broderick is Matthew Broderick and and that's not to take away from him it's like he is who he is and you like him for who he is but um yeah yeah, it's. Uh, I just. I found that fascinating when I saw that. Yeah, I think yeah. it was initially written for Matthew Broderick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think one of the things about this, and, and you know, like Vince Gilligan's been quite upfront that, you know, a lot of the main characters he has on the show, he went to comedic actors because he wanted them to be able to, he was like, if they can do comedy, they can do drama. Um, and, you know, so obviously um, Brian Cranston's background in comedy is obvious, but even the characters that kind of come later on. So, you know, obviously Bob Odenkirk is a comedian first, oh, yeah. where he came from. So, um and you know we've already talked about Hank being this um, this kind of comedic actor, although he probably isn't. Dean Norris is probably not somebody that's known for that. Um, he can definitely give that comedic performance, and so it's really interesting that you know like Matthew Broderick is not somebody I think of as being able to give like I know I know there are comedic roles he's done, but you know like that 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 kind of pure comedic performance that. that like some of the things about Walter White are just funny. Like he's just, he's really funny in some of these scenes. And I just can't imagine somebody like Matthew Broderick being able to do that well. Yeah. And it's also like a case, like it's a good point you make about like comedian actors and, and that. And it's interesting that Vince Gilliam did that because I mean, 
some of the funniest people can be some of the great. I mean, I'm a mad Jim Carrey fan, and Jim Carrey can pull off an amazing dramatic role. Adam Sandler, uh, you know, can do it. Uh, someone like Jack Black, like these people actually surprise you sometimes when they're they're funny as all heck, but when they actually yeah. go completely dark and you know go a certain way. And having said that, there are definitely some who can't pull it off, but you know that's a whole other conversation. But yeah, yeah like it's it's. It's fascinating that way. And, like, yeah, when we get to Bob Odenkirk, like, God, all I knew him from was comedy roles. Like, again, similar yeah, yeah. to... But, I mean, it works for the Soul character, of course, because, you know, he's a bit silly. But, um, again, better call Soul. He holds it very much on his own two legs. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, did you ever see, I think it was a Saturday Night Live skit or maybe like a Jimmy Fallon skit or something where they had the alternate ending to Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he where wakes he wakes up, up next, yeah, yeah. next to yeah. Thingo from Malcolm in the Middle. Like, I had a yeah. terrible dream. Yeah. I was a drug dealer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was really good. I think that's actually like a, a um, like an extra feature on one of the DVDs. Or oh, is it? Yeah, I, it? Yeah. It was hilarious. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just... Because you do get into a role, like, after a while, having seen this, like, it would be weird probably to go back and watch Malcolm in the Middle now, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So when you see him that way, it's, it's like, you know, as an X-Files fan, you know, you get used to David Duchovny as Fox Mulder, then you see him in Californication, and then it's yeah. kind of like, well, can I go back and watch him as Mulder now because he's yeah. just this sexual yeah. deviant, um, yeah. which is how David Duchovny was in real life. He was addicted <laughs> to sex, and I think that's why he ended up divorcing <laughs> Tay Leone. That's a whole other story. But um, I love David Duchovny. Uh, but, yeah, um, I'm sidetracked. I don't know where we were. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wouldn't be the, wouldn't be Oz Network if we went sidetracked. No, exactly. Slightly, but we'll, we'll, move, we'll move on to the next thing, which is obviously another really important building block for Breaking Bad, which is where um, Walt does the ride along with um, with Hank and Gomi um, to do this drug bust. And um, I, I love his, his white um, vest that he's wearing um, is one of my favorite. It's actually been the Titanic. On the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, like we see this kind of drug bust go on and, and um, you know, Walt wants to go inside and look at the equipment, which is really interesting. And we, you know, see the whole drug bust kind of happen. Um, but, you know, obviously um, Hank and Gomi kind of kind of head off and leave Walt in the car. And, and this is where we kind of, he sees Jesse for the first time and Jesse's kind of escaping out the window. And as you mentioned before, the first and only boobs we ever see on Breaking Bad um, for an obvious reason, which is that they were kind of looking at something, looking for a slightly different kind of um market when they when they did this um pilot episode potentially um but yeah obviously we see this this drug bust and we see it go down and we see um i've already forgotten the name of that first cook what's his name um oh um, not crazy eight he's the other one um yeah because anyway, we'll, we'll it, um, it's what a haitian name because this is this one you got like racist uh Hank oh, basically yes. going on like uh what does he say like a guarantee you he's a beaner or something like yeah, that yeah that's right is that's that what right. he says? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not great, eh? Like, it's, yeah. I mean, it fits the character, but it's just, yeah, like, it just cracks me up. But, but um, it's, you, you mentioned Emilio is the guy's name, isn't it? Um, the the character here. The, Emilio, the yeah. 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 But it's, it's, I mean, you, it's interesting you say, like, obviously, like, you know, 13 years later, it's obviously a different climate. You know, you might not get away with this. But at the same time, like, I think it's important on a show where you've kind of got to be a bit realistic that you do have people like this. So like, you're going to have a cop who's going to say things like this. Um, you know, so that adds to the realism I think of it. And then you kind of got that, you know, relationship with Steve where kind of like, he's obviously Latino, but he just, he just deals with it because this is yeah, kind of who yeah. he is. It's, it's kind of yeah. like when we did third watch, like that was even older than this. And there was some, definitely some things that haven't dated well in terms of some of the things they say in that show, but it's, I mean, you can argue it's a product of its time and you portraying characters who, I, I mean, I've never met a real DEA agent, but I'm sure you have DEA agents who are going to generalize and say racist things like this. Yeah. 
yeah yeah and so you know obviously we get kind of jesse jumping out of that top window and jumping down getting his clothes thrown out to him <laughs> from the half naked girl and um you know they kind of him, him and um what kind of make the eye contact and you kind of you get this whole thing of like oh shit it's that guy you know like it's um yeah it's it's, it's really cool like it's a cool way of kind of introducing these guys to, to having a kind of interaction um one of the cool thing you know because obviously the um the captain cook on his number plate which is which is quite cool but um one of the things i don't know if you noticed but this, the number plate surround and i actually picked this up from um listening to the um the commentary is that the surround of the number plate which is very jesse says something like save a tree eat a beaver or something like that which is like like the perfect jesse thing one thing i will say that i did notice actually in in watching this a couple of times before this is that when skylar and uh, correct me if i'm wrong i'm driving ahead maybe to next week when she goes onto his like myspace page and it's like milfs 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 um (laughs) and like this woman is obviously like an older woman um, so like yeah. it's kind of it plays into that and I like that was kind of clever and like one thing I always thought like I always got confused when they say like oh it's the house at the corner of the street and I'm always like well how do they not hear him like upstairs but like he's in the neighbor's house he's not actually in the house that they're busting and yeah. I think I only picked that up this time around as well yeah, too. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah yeah and then you know the next scene is that Walt drives to Jesse's house and um, they have the conversation about potentially cooking which is um yeah, again, as I'm, I'm kind of saying a few times here, but, but another building block, basically, you know, like of kind of putting all the pieces together so that we can kind of get onto this. But, um, you know, um, what I think is kind of forgotten about this a little bit is that um, Walt basically blackmails him. Yeah. Um, it isn't kind of what I had remembered since the last time I watched season one, as I, I thought it was just like a kind of willing partnership. But actually, it's Walt who kind of blackmails him of like, if you don't help me, I'm going to dob you in. Um, and I think that's kind of an interesting part of kind of the deceptive nature of this character that we see it right from the beginning that he's kind of willing to do whatever he needs to do to get what he wants. Um, and so while we, we talk about change um, and all that kind of stuff, you still kind of get the, the fundamental part of Walter White that's not a great guy right from the beginning yeah well because i mean we'll get to that um at the end of this episode i like i completely forget that basically walter essentially kills like at least one person in the first episode and i always thought this was like a slow burn like until he finally killed like he's straight into it um but like also the night the naivety of of jesse like that he kind of you know like this is what you're just going to get used to jesse like he's he means well like he's just he's a good natured guy but like he just gets himself into these situations where he kind of just has to say yes and go along with it right like because you know what other option does he have um and again like we talk up brian cranston you can't not talk up aaron paul i mean this guy is absolutely amazing and we'll talk a lot about this season how aaron paul's portrayal of jesse basically kept this character to be the you know the yin to walter's yang because uh you know without spoiling too much this was always meant to be a one season character he was Mm, meant to be he was only meant to last one season he was meant to be killed off at the end of one season yeah this isn't really a spoiler to obviously people know there's an el camino movie based on the jesse character so like it's not a spoiler to say that he doesn't die after the end of the first season so uh, and yeah. I think that's all Aaron Paul. I mean, you know, just amazing. And he yeah, went on to be great. so popular, didn't he? That's why they kind of kept him. Yeah, it's really interesting because, like, I think, um, again, another little kind of nip-tuck sideline of, like, we always would talk about, are you a, a, a Sean man or a Christian man? And I think you could all, all talk about that a little bit here too. Like, are you more a Walt fan or a Jesse fan? And um, I, one of the parts that I've always struggled with Breaking Bad is I'm not a massive Jesse fan. I love the Jesse and Walt scenes together. I think that they're really good. I think that he's at his best as an actor and as a character when he's playing against Walt White um brian cranston but um 
like some of the stuff that they go into on his own is probably the least interesting parts of the show for me and it'll be interesting to see if i feel the same way watching it again um if there's if there's things about it but that's not to take anything away from aaron paul as a as an actor he's amazing and another one that kind of just embodies this character um immediately you kind of just walk straight in and it feels like he's been there forever and please tell me you've seen him on The Price is Right. You've seen that classic video on no, YouTube. Oh, no. you, as soon as we're finished recording, Nick, you type it, Aaron Paul Price is Right. This was like years before he was famous. He's hilarious. Like, I think he wins wow. like a, a bunch of prizes. But, like, it, you, your mind will be blown. This is like a, a legitimate, he was a contestant on The Price is Right, and he's just, he's just Aaron Paul, but, like, on meth, basically, I think. <laughs> like, he's so energetic and over the top. But, yeah. It's brilliant. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I had no idea about that. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, we kind of move on. The, the next scene we've got is a kind of Skylar and Marie scene. And, and you know, kind of obviously these two are, are sisters. So we're, we're starting to kind of get um, into into them and their dynamic. And it's quite an interesting kind of relationship that these two have as the show goes on as well. Um, but, but, yeah, and, you know, just talking kind of setting up the tension and the change in Walt's behavior, I guess. Um, but I think this is as much as anything about setting up the dynamic between these two. Yeah, and I think it's 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 interesting. Like, um, people go on about Skylar, but like, I, I always find Marie the more annoying one. <laughs> like, it's kind of, it's like, okay, you know, sure, and it is what it is. But and actually, one thing there's an honest trailer for Breaking Bad, and they point out in that about uh, the color purple, and then I think yeah. kind of Marie always is this a thing that she always wears purple? Like, yeah, well, I think um, one of those things about they go on about Breaking Bad is um, you know, that color is such an important kind of motif i guess um it's not really a theme but obviously walter white jesse pinkman you know like you've got these characters that are named after colors and then you've got marie who almost solely wears purple and and you know has purple and purple couches and things like that and i've always thought yeah that's cool but i'm not sure that it really means much to me like it's an interesting tidbit but i'm not sure that it really adds too much to to their character i think it maybe it just talks about the the kind of um maybe ocd nature of the marie character i mean you know of those kind of that walt of, of the kind of white family dynamic she's the least interesting i mean oh yeah and that's and that's not her fault you know as, as no. a as an actress or anything like that it's just she's the she's the one that has the least to add to the show she is definitely a support character um and i think it is easy to get annoyed by her i sometimes think like the stuff we're going to get to later in this season about her like i guess it's interesting but to me it doesn't really add much to the show it is one of those things that it's just building layers of of this world more than actually adding anything to the plot specifically yeah and it's also too like again back to the realism the grounded nature of some of these things like you kind of need someone like that like yeah you got you know hank is a bit over the top and you know walter and all this kind of stuff but like you just can kind of have just the you know the the person's like and also i think too like i like I think it's the third episode when kind of she rings up hanging out. Like, I like it. I, I kind of weirdly like their dynamic because you got like, you know, as you said, this like lovable wanker. And then you just kind of got this, you know, like they, they just work well together. Like they actually well, work really well together. And that's the that's one of the big reasons for having Marie because you could say like, as a writer, like, why did they just not make Hank um, Skylar's brother? Like, you know, like mm. cut the middleman and just, but actually she gives stakes to that character. So like every time he's in a shootout or whatever, like it's, well, we, you know, if this character dies, then, you know, like there's, 
you know that hurts her you know so i i think she kind of gives stakes to to what's happening with hank as the show goes along so there is a there is a functional reason for having her but it can mean that sometimes you're getting stuff that isn't you know it's not even b plot it's c or d plot and and that can be a bit annoying sometimes but um i think often she's there as a bit of a um you know like she has to be that character that skylar can talk to like we need to have that exposition and she's the character that allows skylar to be able to talk to somebody else at times yeah and absolutely and i think kind of that also adds to the skylar character where people you're going to be annoyed by her that but like yeah she kind of like will be a sounding board and that's where i think like i again never get annoyed by the skylar character because you know she's sounding out i'll be honest i'm very similar to skylar on many levels like i'm a bit of a nag like but you know like that's why maybe i relate to skylar a little bit like you know you're not meant to use that visa we use the other one (laughs) yeah that's right yeah yeah so we then move on and it's uh it's Walt. it's Walt stealing equipment from the school um in a pretty haphazard way i've got to be honest like this is the kind of thing like we're getting that like very very early we're obviously going to see him polish up as time goes on but you know at the beginning he's kind of just nicking stuff left right and center not really thinking about how this might be perceived when it when it turns up that it's missing kind of heads over to jesse's house and we have this kind of great kind of first argument between these two characters of where they're going to cook and they haven't really thought that through of exactly where they're going to start doing that and like one of the notes i've written is that like the dynamic between these two characters is just great from the start you know like they really just click naturally of like they just annoy each other almost immediately um and you know like i just love the talk about the you know the five liter flask or whatever it is you know like you don't realize how i wash station yeah 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 and all that kind of stuff like he's still going to bring even though they're doing criminal behavior he's still going to do all the you know everything's going to be done correctly which is kind of the important part about who walt is you know um but yeah i just think these guys are are just great from the start you know and then it's like where are we going to cook you know we're not cooking here don't even think about it and this leads to you know walt basically withdrawing all of his savings to you know, to, to buy this RV. Um, and, you know, we get that really important question from from Jesse about why are you doing this? Um, and Walt kind of leaves it hanging out there. He doesn't really answer the question. Um, and I just think this kind of, uh, you know, the dynamic between these two is, is obviously going to change over time, but there's going to be some elements that you see here in this first scene that are just going to carry on all the time. Like just even things like the way Jesse talks, which obviously annoys Walt and vice versa. Um, you know, I just think it, it's really, really cool. It's um, it's got to be one of the most interesting duos in all of television because it's kind of, you know, they hate each other, they love each other, they hate each other, love it. There's never kind of like, you know, you, again, Tuck Connection, you talked about kind of like this heterosexual love story between Christian and, and Sean, um, you know, but at the end of the day, you always knew they loved each other. Whereas these two, like, I mean, there's some hatred going on here. The stuff that happens between them, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And yeah, that dynamic, it just works so well, like, kind of you've got this older middle-aged guy who's a teacher as well which adds to it and then because i backtrack a little bit he had that line when he said like i didn't think you would amount to anything but you know selling methamphetamines i didn't think you know yeah, yeah didn't think yeah. that so but yeah like in the way they kind of bounce off each other with the lines and things like that and I, I love the eyewash station bit like no we're not having an eyewash <laughs> station like this we're, all, we're doing this properly we're you know doing all this sort of stuff um the nice little um Again, I think I mentioned like with sort of Better Call Soul, I don't necessarily get up all the references because, you know, I'm not you know the biggest super fan of Breaking Bad in the world. But the bank that they go to here is like Mesa Verde, I think it's called. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Better Call Soul, very big uh, yep. plot line in that. So yep. um, I noticed that like it's and then I, I checked in the trivia. I'm like, was that the same bank? 
And they're like, yes, like this is a, you know, they use this obviously quite significantly in Better Call Saul. So that was kind yeah. of a cool little thing that they they took there. And also like this is where you get the end credits moment when Jesse literally says the words breaking bad. Like you want to yeah, yeah. give up. And so is that what that means? Like break bad means yeah, to yeah. sell yeah. drugs? Or? Oh, it's, it's basically just to turn into a bad person, basically. Like right. you're, you're going to go from being a good person to doing bad things. Like okay. you're, you're breaking bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's not a term I'd ever heard before the show was on, but I imagine in probably, you know, some parts and cultures it's it's a common phrase, but for me it wasn't, but it made sense when he said it. It kind of was just like, I, I get what you mean. So, yeah. yeah. Which again, yeah. I guess like you're going back to what you're saying, ticking all the things off in the pilot. I mean, and that's what a pilot has to do. The pilot has yeah. to sell the show so you know what you're getting. And, you know, often pilots can be brilliant or they can kind of be a bit cheesy looking back on it when you know the show. And I think this is kind of both, but it works. It's like we, you know, again, nip tuck. We talked about everything you have in that selling the show. We talked over on Lost when we did that. I mean, the Lost pilot is often regarded as one of the greatest episodes of television history. You know, it, it sells you in everything you need to know about Lost. And this sells you in everything you need to know about Breaking Bad. And, of course, you've got to throw in the term Breaking Bad so we understand why this show is called Breaking Bad. Because I Correct me if I'm wrong, super fans of Breaking Bad, but I don't think we ever hear that phrase ever again. No, I don't think so. I think it's kind of a once-off and um, we kind of just move on. But it has kind of like become like a, you know, like when you hear people say it or written on Twitter, you kind of know exactly what they're meaning because of the show, you know. Yeah. So it is something that's come out of the show. Um the, this next scene is um, with Walt Jr. at the, at the store buying jeans. And this is really just kind of a, to me, this just feels like a bit of a setup for explaining the hardships that this family is, you know, like Walt Jr. has got a disability and just explaining that, but also kind of showing that um, Walt Sr. has this kind of, um, this angry streak, which kind of comes out here when obviously they're trying to buy buy clothes for Walt Jr. And, and you know, there's these, these kids kind of making fun of his disability and, and Walt kind of just like goes over and slams this guy like like kicks the back of his knee and and like stands on him basically just to cause him a bit of pain and um you know like i think this also kind of sets up that walt's not a complete coward which i think is quite important like he's this kind of meek mild-mannered guy but he's he's not afraid to stand his ground when he needs to as well so i think it's kind of like quite a functional scene but also achieves quite a few things at the same time yeah, I always thought it was random, but no, you're right. Like it does all those sort of bits there too, and kind of I like it when he's like, "What does he say? Like, what are you waiting for your girlfriends over there? You want to have a go? Like, you know, like come on, like yeah. do this." And also just even the looks from um, Skylar and Walt Junior. Like Walt Junior's kind of like, "Wow, Dad, you're awesome," and yeah, Skylar's yeah. kind of like, you know, "Oh, like what's going on?" But um, yeah, like it, it it serves a purpose, and and it, even just like the family dynamic. Like I like it kind of when he's trying to try the jeans on and. Skylar's like, you know, who do you want? Do you want me or do you want dad? And he's just like, yeah, dad, like, you know, come on. Like, you know, he, he doesn't like this situation, but, you know, that's clearly, I guess, yeah. how he's got to be. So, yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's an interesting scene, but, it, yeah, it does work. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really good, and I um I think it's just like to me it's really important that you kind of see that, that you know he's not just a complete nerdy guy that's a weakling, you know. Like I think it just kind of shows there's a hard edge to him, which you're gonna need to you're gonna need to feel that and believe that I think as the show goes on, otherwise the rest of it's not gonna work particularly well. So I think it's just like just enough. It's like a pinch of badass that you're gonna need mm -hmm. to kind of keep you believing that what he does next is is a believable action that this guy would take. Um, and then that moves us into this first cook mon 
montage which it was just phenomenal really like it just you know like i think it was so important that the pilot had this kind of montage scene to kind of you know and i think like one of the things that i've talked about a lot on kind of um other shows that i've done on on the oz network is about um drug scenes in general and about you know that it's al almost a shortcut for a lot of these drama shows that like somebody takes drugs it means that they're bad and they've gone off the rails and you know like and i think that the way breaking bad deals with you know the production of drugs and the impact of drugs i think is like it's very realistic like it's not all good or all bad like i think that like this kind of like is to me it's cool and it's kind of glorifies the way that drugs are made but you kind of get that balance later on when you see like people using it and the impact it has on them so i really like the scene um it's shot in tahajali which is a really important location for the show later on there's actually an episode down the line called tahajali and um you know this is an important location for the show um you know this scene gets gets flashbacks done to it later on in the show as well so all in all, it's a really, really important little scene for the show, um, and I just think it's it's just beautifully done. If only Matt and Kimber had have uh, watched this, they might have uh, Matt might not have nearly <laughs> burnt to death and fallen into a pool to total splits of the heart. Right. Um, one of the trivia things I read about how they did this was that they actually got like DEA agents to show them how to make meth. Because they yeah, Vince yeah. Gilligan wanted to make it as realistic as possible, but then they deliberately did never show the full process so that people watching this can basically make meth. Um, it kind of it kind of makes you wonder as well of like if they actually made meth, like like even being shown that, like surely that's illegal. Like the legalities of that must have been quite an interesting yeah, little challenge. Sort of what um, lines had to cross. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, obviously the outcome is is really good, and it's you know the the most pure version that they've ever seen, and um, you know, like obviously we're, we're learning straight away that Walt is a genius at this, you know, like he's found his calling in life and, um, you know, he's able to make meth better than anybody else has done. Jesse wants to smoke it straight away, <laughs> you know, um, and um, eventually takes the sample to crazy eight. Um, and this kind of sets up the, you know, the, the kind of chaos that will ensue um, that kind of happens there, but it might not be a bad place to stop if you wanted to talk about anything before no, I go to die. No, the thing I was going to add is that, like, one thing that I, I remember going into this show, you know, knowing what it was about, like, you know, I kind of assumed that Walter would take drugs and, like, try, like, like, spoiler alert, not spoiler alert, he never, never smokes the meth from memory. Um, mm. And then, like... It's it, it like it's so unique when you kind of hear about what this show is about that a chemistry teacher would do this because like, I mean I don't know any chemistry teachers but I would assume that if a chemistry teacher wanted to make drugs they'd be pretty good at it right like I yeah, mean yeah. they know what to do and I just kind of like the way they do that and this is obviously the whole thing about why Walter rises through the ranks because he's able to produce his like near perfect meth and it's like it's crystal that's what is, that's what Jesse says here like this is glass grade basically mm -hmm. so. Um, yeah, so it's kind of, it's, it's believable on that fact and it's that kind of what makes it really interesting. But I do like when we meet Crazy 8, um, yeah. and the, the dog, <laughs> and I, I love Jesse here. Hey, Poochie, I had a dog like this once. <laughs> like, just, Aaron Paul just has a way, like, Je like it's interesting you say that about Jesse. I, I've I've always loved Jesse. Like, I don't, I don't think I've ever not liked him. I'm not saying you don't like him, but I, uh, what you're saying, but like, Jesse's kind of like, like, we all know a Jesse, right? Like, yeah. kind of just a, you know, real like douchey kind of like, you know, whatever. But like, you can't help but like the guy. Like, he's just energetic and sure he's had a, you know, makes pretty bad decisions that gets him into shit. But at the end of the day, he's just a lovable. Like, my sister had a boyfriend yeah. like this. I remember in high school, my sister had a boyfriend. My parents hated him. 
And apparently the reason why he was always friendly all the time because he was always on drugs. But I was like 13. I didn't know. I thought this guy was fun. Like, you know, he was nice and he stunk yeah, yeah. a bit, but clearly he was on drugs. I didn't realize that. Um, but, like, it's just what Jesse is. Like, he's just kind of like, you know, fun, lovable guy. Like, I don't think we've got a bitch yet, but, you know, we'll say bitch a few hundred times in this show. Yeah. Do we even get yeah. a bitch in the first two episodes? I don't think we do. But um, oh, I'm not sure. It's probably one of those things we need. we should really be keeping account of, right? Yeah, but like I just love this opening with the Poochie and then all, you know, Crazy 8 and then Emilio comes in and is basically like, you know, ganging up on the, the poor guy. But again, this just goes, this is just Jesse, right? Makes poor decisions, doesn't think things yeah, through. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah and ends up, ends up bringing them out to, to the cook site, obviously. Um, and, you know, Walt in his, uh, in his underwear and his penny at this point. Um, and these guys kind of come out and like, I just love all this stuff because it's just like these guys who just have no idea. They're getting in way over their head straight away. Um, um, which is really good and, and you know you kind of get um, Emilio and Crazy 8 kind of you know Jesse brings them out here and what, what the deal that Walt basically makes is you know like I'll show you how to how to cook type of thing like just an exchange for keeping them alive is basically what what the deal is that gets made um, you know and so they're, they're up for that um, they kind of follow him into the RV and Walt being Walt finds a way to get out of it through you know exploding a chemical um, and this is kind of like just you know chaos ensues basically and uh we end up back where we started at the beginning of the show but um you know basically this explosion kind of knocks everybody out there's fire in the grass you know i love the music that's kind of happening oh, yeah. here it's really really cool um and you know and basically they kind of you know these these guys get knocked out and then everything goes crazy and um they're lying on the ground walt kind of grabs jesse drives off and they crash and then so we're kind of back to where we started one thing I'll say, like, I don't think we really mentioned that obviously they're buying this RV to go out and cook in, like, you know, the middle of the desert, right? That's why he got his savings. So I kind of like, you know, the RV comes a bit of a, a star of this, at least first season, yeah, everything yeah. along those lines. I, I like the RV. I know my friend who I said really into it, like, he buys, like, the Funko Pops and all the figurines, nah, and yeah. he's got, like, the full setup with the RV and everything yeah. like that. Um, but I also like the scene when Walt's taking off. He's he's basically going to cook in his underwear. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just his, what is he like? Like you're like the the second biggest homo I know, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> like, again, lines that don't really hold up well. But uh, it's just again, that's the type of thing that someone like Jesse would say. Like that's totally what like. I get... is, it, is, it, is, it, is this the episode where he's basically on the camera, like work at work at yeah, your work, underwear? Yeah. You know, like it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically just like early Jesse just being a dickhead, and yeah, it just kind of works works really really well but i also love like you know when they show up here with crazy eight and um emilio and it's like what are you some kind of nudist or something like that like it's just it's just daggy dad walt who's basically doing this sort of stuff but yeah i mean this whole stuff's epic and like yeah as i said before like i forgot that basically walt kills someone in the very first episode like yeah it, yeah i mean it's okay like i'm not a lawyer but like i i don't think this is first degree murder like i don't think he did this to kill them i think he did this to disable them and they just happen I, again yeah. i don't know um also yeah, i don't though, think you'd get off in court for this like no. oh yeah and no, it was only because he was trying to trying to kill me while i was making meth i think yeah you're probably in a world of hurt yeah but like also a bit of a mistake here too he flicks the uh the cigarette out the side window yet behind the rvs on fire i don't know how that works um <laughs> but like can we just talk about that this show goes full on like dark. How like the main character basically like if the gun didn't jam, he killed himself. In like, imagine if that's the first episode. Like you talk yeah, about Godzilla, well, like Brian Cranston lasting twenty minutes. Like imagine if this was just like pull the wool over your eyes. Boom, Brian Cranston's killed himself. In comes Matthew Broderick. 
and i think uh, that's such an interesting like like forgotten part of the show is that actually like that opening scene is like he puts the gun underneath his his head and he was planning on shooting himself but the gun you know misfires or he pulls you know, the trigger yeah he, he pulls, pulls the trigger the yeah trigger yeah yeah and you know like it just goes to show like you know like how desperate he is in this beginning stage of like you know later on when we kind of get down the road this guy is somebody who's got you know like a number of kind of escape hatches and can get out of any situation and you know like can talk himself in any any situation but right here he's desperate and he only sees one way out which is to kill himself which is absolutely insane yeah, and it's like, it's amazing, like, you know, connecting again to Lost, like talking about the pilot, I mean, it's, it's well known that initially they wanted to cast Michael Keaton in the role of Jack and kill him off in the first episode because you think, like, oh, Michael Keaton's on board, like, they're going to, he's going to be in on it and you would be completely surprised that they killed him off, but that it ultimately didn't work that way. So, like, maybe, like, they could have, you know, I, I'm not saying that Vince Gilligan ever had the role, like, clearly this show doesn't work if Walter White doesn't last the whole thing, but yeah. it's just, yeah, like, I mean, what show has their main character all but kill themselves. Like, again, he pulls the trigger. Like, he yeah. pulls the trigger. And two seconds later, it fires because he, like, obviously puts it on the ground. So, yeah. yeah. it's it's yeah. It goes to territories you wouldn't expect for a TV show to go. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And then, obviously, that kind of brings us back and we get that beautiful kind of camera shot down the, lens, down mm. the barrel of the gun, which is really cool. I do love that. And I always kind of think of that as being in the opening of the this, of this show. And then I'm always quite surprised. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. It comes at the end of the episode, not the beginning of the episode. Um, and, you know, and then, obviously, we get the big reveal that, you know, it's actually just... Um, you know these um these fire engines that seem quick fire department in in all of new mexico they're there yeah within yeah fire. who called them yeah yeah absolutely and i love the fact that they just like see the scene and just like drive past like yeah. um you think that this would have been called at least or whatever like it it is a little bit of a loophole that they kind of just like drive straight past me kind of like just just waves you know i don't think he actually does wave but he might as well have waved um and then, you know, once they drive past, Jesse jumps out from behind. And um, this is the thing I do want to keep a count on is the number of black eyes that Jesse has on the show. Like, <laughs> it is one of those things. They, it is a bit of a go-to. Like, Jesse gets beaten up and gets a black eye. Um, and I think they've just got somebody on the makeup department who loves to give him a black eye because it does look <laughs> awesome. Um, but this is the first one that we get. Um, and, yeah, and then we kind of we, – we don't really – well, we don't get anything really about what they're going to do about the situation. That's going to be something that gets partially resolved in the next episode. So, um, you know, this is going to be the, the inciting incident that kind of takes us through the next couple of episodes um, as we get to know these characters. And so we kind of just – like, we get a little bit of information, but then we cut away. Walt comes home. Um, you know, like he's got his first – kind of patch of money like in the in the dryer um you know so we kind of get that and then we kind of get this pretty um you know kind of kind of rough sex scene with with skylar like um to kind of close out the episode really and, and that's kind of that's episode one pilot episode of breaking bad why do we always end up with the shows nick with all the sex in it like um you know <laughs> here we are there's a hand job and rough sex is that you Walt? <laughs> yes it is <laughs> we just need a paper bag right yeah, well, God, yes. We, we always in I, I mean, again, never imagined that I would be watching uh, Brian Cranston have sex. Not that I ever thought about it, but here he is. Um, it is. It's a really interesting. It's an interesting character trait in this first season. You know, like where you know this crazy thing happens and he comes home and and wants to have this kind of like, um, um, you know, like just what's the right word i'm looking for just like angry this, sex yeah yeah well like just like this impromptu i guess like just kind of comes out of nowhere like Literally. um 
yeah 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 um and this just seems to be a bit of a hallmark for him in the early days of this the show it's kind of come on nick don't tell me you don't get up to this you get home from a hard day's work (laughs) and you're like fuck i'm into this i i saw a couple of extra counselors today oh angry sex time (laughs) yeah it's uh it's not a go-to um (laughs) but uh yeah it's it's um I do really like it. It is quite a cool, yeah. you know, kind of character scene, really. And um, and these two are great. I think, like, just the chemistry between the two of them, um, pun intended, not intended, <laughs> um, is, is really good. Um, so I think it, it feels like quite a, a a little bit of an unexpected but really cool way to end this, this first episode. Yeah, and it's, yeah, like, it's kind of just that alive moment, though, isn't it? Like, you know, we've kind of spent a lot of this whole episode of, you know, middle-aged uh, you know, Walter just doing his thing, but you know, to, to, all of a sudden he's like, "Wow, like life, boom!" You know, yeah, straight yeah. into it, and and I guess a, a fifty-year-old man probably can't get it up as he could as a thirty-year-old man, so he's got to make the most of it, right? So, yeah, like, yeah. And I think, and I think you make a really good point there about that being, you know, like suddenly he feels alive, you know, which I think is is um, a really good way of like, yeah, suddenly he feels like doing things that. Um, you know, he, he feels like doing these things that he's never had to do before. So, um, you know, by doing bad things, it makes him feel good. Um, and that's obviously going to be quite a, a a hallmark of who this character pregnant is. Pregnant wife too. Have we mentioned that she's pregnant? She's pregnant. So, you know, watch the baby there, <laughs> Walter. Good old, good, good, old, good old Oz Network keeping up with all the details there. Um, yeah, we didn't mention the RV or the pregnancy. That, that's fine. Yeah. Not important. To be to be fair, that, that it's not a major, major part of the first episode, I think. No. I think we do, we do get more of it as we go along, obviously. But I think, um, you know, like if I was going to sum up the pilot, it's, you know, um, guy finds out you know like he's got cancer decides to cook meth um those are really the kind of key parts and then you know episode two three four are going to be like and by the way he's got you know a pregnant wife and and all that kind of stuff is going to start to add layers as we go along i think so um yeah bit of a ball drop by us but i think we can forgive ourselves because there's a lot going on in this first episode just a bit just a bit yeah well i think that probably brings us to our first rating for this episode so it feels like a while since i've done this but um (laughs) and I, i think that there's like absolutely zero intrigue as to what we're going to choose here but uh, i'll, I'll let you go first for the fun of it <laughs> terrible yeah. yeah so buy rent or bin on uh, episode one pilot of breaking bad it is an easy buy um you know hands down not even a question and i mean this is the thing i think we talked about this in nip tuck and i think ultimately um i ranked the pilot yeah the pilot of nip tuck still ended in the top 10 it ended up at number eight on my list so and I, I wouldn't be surprised if this also ends up in the top 10. I've actually, I'm going to try and remember to keep these open throughout our entire recap, but I've got three different websites, rankings of Breaking Bad, um, and both The Ringer and Vulture have this in their top 10 episodes of all time. So Vulture has it at 10, uh, and The Ringer has it at 6. EW has it at 32. Um, so wow. go figure. That's, That's very low. But um, no, I, I yeah, it would not surprise me if this ends up being, because, I mean, like you said, this... Everything you want from the show is here. And, you know, as you said, like, if, if you don't like this pilot, you're probably not going to like Breaking Bad. Um, and that's what a pilot needs to do. It needs to sell you on the show. 
needs to get you in it. And I was told it was a slow start and I, I couldn't disagree. Like I just disagree more. Like I was hooked the moment I saw this first episode and every time I watch this episode, I'm hooked even more. So yeah, easy buy. And funnily yeah. enough, I'm going to put this at number one on my list too, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, it's an easy buy for me as well. Um, one of the things that I have also been as you know, along with, you know, the date that this came out and who directed it, which is the things I like to have, you know, notes on is, is the IMDB rating for each episode. Mm. And that's got a nine point one. Um, and um, spoiler alert, there is actually one episode of this season of the series. I'm not going to say which one or what, even what season, but it gets a perfect 10, um, wow. which is really interesting. Um, this is a nine point one. And there are a lot of Breaking Bad episodes that are over nine. Um, this one's totally earned, in my opinion. I think it's it's everything you kind of want in an episode. It's um, it, it's really efficient storytelling, but also um, you know fantastic acting editing you know music choices um just everything you kind of want in an episode of tv is really good um we kind of didn't mention as well that it's a slightly longer episode which is not unusual for like a pilot episode or something like that um but every minute feels well earned you know like even some of those ones that we said were kind of little setup um scenes that kind of felt a little bit out of place they everything kind of feels like it works and when you when you don't know where the show is going to go i think that that's a mark of, of huge respect that you can go back and look at a pilot and say this is still a really tight well put together episode even when we didn't know where the full story was going yeah exactly and i think even if you do know where the story is going by going back and re-watching this like you know sometimes when you do watch a pilot and it's kind of like oh okay like you know this is it is what it is now because you you understand what the show turns into but um i mean you could watch this i think back to back with the season five episode and it you know Nothing yeah. much changed. And I think, like, also, too, it's important with that. Like, the, the timeline of this show over five seasons, I don't think really expands that amount of time, really, does it? Because I think even season five, we're still technically in 2008, aren't we? Like, I feel like yeah, it, I think not it, I a think lot it of all time does, passes. Yeah, I think it all does take place over a fairly short period of time. Um, and, you know, p- potentially my uh, Breaking Bad, the official book edited by David Thompson, I'll dive into that and see if it tells <laughs> me what the what the official time frame is for. Um, I like these for... official books. Like, you're on the board, and, like, I've been using my my official companion for the season one of 24 as well. So like, you know, we're, I mean, I know Noah had the lost encyclopedia with him at one point, but we sadly didn't have a nip tuck and third watch encyclopedia to live off. Did we? So no, you know, one no. day, but we'll, yeah, we will kind of look into what the time frame is supposed to be. Cause I do, I do believe you're right that it is, it is supposed to take place over. Well, I guess probably we do know because um, um, we do have some clues later on, which I don't want to get into, but um I think the whole show probably takes place over two years. Yes, I think. I'm yeah, no, you're mindset. right because yep. it's a yep. birthday thing. Yes, isn't it? yes, yeah. that's right. Yep, quite yep. right. So, yep, all the gears are uh, clicking into place again. Because I know Better Call Soul, I think, is meant to be set around like 2002, 2003, but I think it kind of it's building closer. I don't know how long Better Call Soul's gone over time, but I know. I remember reading a thing about it because there's a few flash forwards and flash things and because yep. like every season of Better Call Soul starts off with kind of like a flash forward to Soul after the Breaking Bad timeline and then they go back to, mm. yeah, mm. so, um, mm. yeah, we'll get to the bottom of it sometime, some mm. point. Yeah. Uh, well, it's great and we'll, uh, we'll be back talking um, next week about uh, Cats in the Bag, episode two. Which, uh, like, yeah, as I think I said, like I, I was sold on this show by the closing moment. <laughs> and I mean, I I nominated the opening of this one. I'm I'm straight away nominating the the closing of the next episode as yeah, you know, because it's just oh fuck, like that is just you talk about Breaking Bad and selling it to like oh so there's this scene where this happens, um, which is just 
Yeah, fuck, I yep. love that scene. Just that alone, yep. it sells yep. it. <laughs> yeah, but you know, there's some some awesome other stuff in there as well, you yeah. know, and um, and you know, I I think we get some some really cool stuff that starts to layer on who these characters are. Um, yeah, and and a little bit of that flash forward, flashback stuff as well. So, um, no, I can't wait to get into that one. Really looking forward to episode two as well. Br- bring it on, I say. <laughs> We're just getting started. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that's that's all for now. So we look forward to, to coming back with episode two. But uh, for now, let's close out the pilot. It's been great talking about this. Uh, my name's Nick, and you and I will not make garbage. And my name is Ben, and I look like Keith Richards with a glass of warm milk. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.